0: This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. For this final Sunday, in the month of Our Lady of Sorrows, I have for you a sort of short double feature, a double feature of very short but insightful things. The first is from Don Bosco, St. John Bosco, one of the great priest saints who we don't talk about enough in our time, so I've been trying to bring something from him about once a month or so. When you hear what things he had, the sort of dreams he had, which is one of the reasons he was canonized, you'll find that he was a very saintly man with a very deep care for his flock. He's a good example for priests today, and if you are one of the priests listening to this, I hope that you have a devotion to St. John Bosco, and if you don't, consider it. The second feature is from an old favorite on my channel that I haven't really featured in a while, uh, G.K. Chesterton. Piece of poetry from him about Our Lady of Sorrows. I hope that this helps you on your way to or from Mass today. And please, please, please have a good Mass. Take advantage of the Mass because we don't know how long, how much longer we'll have access to the sacraments <laughs> given how things are going. And we have a blessed Sunday. The Partridge and the Quail by St. John Bosco, taken from his biographical memoirs. I will now tell you a dream I had the night before last. I was hiking with all of you, and many others whom I did not know. We stopped in a vineyard for refreshment, and everyone scattered about to pick fruit, feasting on grapes, figs, peaches, and plums. I was with you, plucking grapes and figs for you to eat. I seemed to be dreaming and somehow regretted that it was only a dream. Anyhow, I said to myself, let the boys have their fill. Through the row of vines we could see the vine dresser. Once we had our fill, we resumed our march through the vines, but we had a hard time crossing the deep furrows running the whole length of the vineyard. The sturdier boys managed to jump from one row to the other. The smaller ones could not quite make it and usually tumbled into a deep furrow. Sympathizing with their plight, I looked about for some other way out and noticed a dirt road alongside the vineyard. I made for it with all of you, but the vine dresser stopped me. Listen to me, he said. Keep off that road. It's rocky, miry, thorny, and rutted. Absolutely impossible. Stay on the path you have taken. I'd like to, I replied, but these little fellows cannot make it across the furrows. That's no problem, he countered. Let the bigger boys carry the younger ones. They will still be able to jump from row to row. Unconvinced, I made for the dirt road with all the boys, only to find that it was indeed forbidding and impassable. Turning to Father Franceschia, I remarked, Four-parted beak means... We are between the devil and the deep blue sea we had no choice but to keep crossing those furrows along a path parallel to the dirt road when we finally reached the last row of vines we were faced by a thick hedge of thorns clearing a passage with great difficulty we descended a lofty bank into a lush tree dotted meadow in its center i spotted two former oratory pupils who on recognizing me came over to greet me we chatted for a while then one of them holding up two birds said see what i found aren't they cute What are they? I asked. This one is a partridge and this one is a quail. Is the partridge alive? Sure, and he placed a most beautiful fledgling into my hands. Can can it feed itself? Yes, it has just started. While watching it eat, I noticed that its beak was split into four parts. Surprised I asked the boy about it. You mean he don't know? he replied. The four-parted beak symbolizes the same thing as the partridge itself. I don't understand. You should, after all, you are well-educated. What is the Latin word for partridge? Perdix. Well, then, you have it. I still don't understand. Tell me. All right, I will. Consider what each letter stands for. P. Perseverantia. Perseverance. E. Aeternitas. Dete expectat. Eternity awaits you. R. Referet una sequesque secundum opere sue praut jeset Sive bonum, sive malum. Everyone must render an account of his deeds, whether good or evil. D. Dempto nomine, without regard to his name, worldly fame, glory, knowledge, or wealth. I. Ebit, he shall go. Now you also know what the four-parted beak means, the four last things. I see, but what does X, the last letter, stand for? <laughs> Can't you guess? Didn't you study mathematics? Alright, X stands for an unknown quantity. Good. Now replace the word quantity with destiny, and you have unknown destiny. Ibit in locum suum. He shall go to his unknown destiny. Amazed, but also convinced by this explanation, I asked him, May I keep this partridge? You are welcome to it, he replied. Would you like to look at the quail, too, he added. Yes, let me see it. He handed it to me. It seemed to be a very fine-looking bird, but on lifting its wings I saw it was covered with sores. The more I examined it, the more hideous, festering, and foul-smelling it became. "'What happened?' I asked the lad. "'You are a priest, and you have studied Holy Scripture, "'and yet you don't understand. "'Don't you remember that when the Israelites grumbled in the desert, "'God sent them a flock of quails? "'The Israelites feasted on them, "'but even as they ate, God punished thousands of them. "'This quail tells you that gluttony is more deadly than the sword, "'and it is the fountainhead of most sins.' "'I thanked him for this explanation. "'Meanwhile, a large number of other partridges and quails "'appeared over all the hedges, trees, and meadow. "'You boys pounced upon them and got yourselves a meal.' We then resumed our march. Those who had fed on partridges felt strong and followed me. Those instead who had feasted on quails lingered in the valley and scattered about. I saw them no more. On January 18th, Don Bosco spoke thus to the boys. I know you would like to hear more about the dream I told you the other night. I will only disclose what the partridge and quail stand for, and brief the partridge stands for virtue and the quail for vice. I need not tell you that the fine looks of the quail masking the putrid sores under its wings symbolize impurity. The boys greedily feasting on quail, notwithstanding its rotten condition, are those who give themselves to sinful habits, while the lads eating partridge are those who love and practice virtue. I saw boys holding a quail in one hand and a partridge in the other, but feeding exclusively on quail. These lads know the beauty of virtue, but refuse to use the God-given means to become good. Others instead feed on partridge, but keep kept glancing longingly at the quail. They are those who walk the path of virtue, but half-heartedly, by force. Unless they change their outlook, sooner or later they will fall. I also noticed that quails would keep fluttering in front of boys eating partridge, but these lads just ignored them. These are the ones who follow virtue and who loathe and despise vice. Then there were boys who ate both partridge and quail. These are the fellows who swing from vice to virtue and vice versa, fooling themselves into believing that they are not so bad after all. Who of us was eating what, you may ask? I have told many yesterday. As for the rest, let them come to me, and I'll tell them too. Don Bosco's words there were... Well, they were thought-provoking, I think. It's an interesting dream he had. He was canonized for his dreams and, of course, for his great works of mercy and everything else he did in life. Truly truly a model priest for our times, especially in the aftermath of all the McCarrick mess. Don Bosco, pray for us and for the Church. But his words also brought to mind something else for me. Many people have asked for me to revisit G.K. Chesterton and bring some more of his essays. And it actually brought to mind... a bit of poetry from Chesterton, a very short one. And given that this is appearing on a, the, on a Sunday in the month of Our Lady of Sorrows, this essay is rather appropriate, or this poetry is rather. The poem is called Lust Without Life. It is by G.K. Chesterton. And it's from his book, The Queen of Seven Swords. Where you have laid it, let the sword divide, and let your unmotherly Medea be, here sundered from our human trinity, the human and the virgin and the bride. Why should we falter? Our shall be the mirth, and yours the amaze when you have thinned away your starving serfs to fit their starveling pay, and seen the meek inheriting the earth. That Christ from this creative purity came forth your sterile appetites to scorn. Lo, in her house life without lust was born; so in your house, light lust without life shall die. I suppose we should ask ourselves which one will it be. Will we live the life that Chesterton speaks there in the end? Or shall we surrender it and give ourselves over to our baser instincts? That is a lesson, it seems, of Don Bosco, and I think Chesterton also really helped drive it home. And with, I hope you found all of this helpful today. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Please pray for the Church. Ave Maria.